What is up and welcome to Bridge Youth. We are so stoked you are here. Service starts at seven, that's in five minutes. Um, please be sure to use the bathroom before service starts. That would be a good time. And if you're here, you're family to us and we are so happy to be spending this night with you.
service is in just two minutes, so make sure to grab your seat, turn off your airdrop, and if you're watching online with us this evening, comment something so that we know you're watching. Tonight will be awesome. We are so stoked that you are here. tonight if you don't already know us we're your service host my name's Liv my name's Trinity there is nowhere else we would rather be than right here with you all tonight and hey if you are new here we do this thing called family time so everybody stand up stand up get to your feet meet somebody new and hit them with this question all right it's gonna be a little bit different so we're gonna go with top three and then bottom three of music genres so pick your top three favorites and then your bottom three favorite or bottom least favorites yeah, that makes more sense. I feel like this is like the most controversial. <laughs> Was country music in your top three or in your bottom three? <laughs> who put country music in their top three? Top three? Okay, okay. who put country bottom music three. in the bottom three? Yeah, oh. we got a lot. Yeah. Dang, 
surprise. Okay, well, hey, we're gonna hit announcements. So if you don't already follow us already, make sure to follow us on social media, on Instagram and TikTok at BridgeYTH underscore, and then you can stay up to date on all the latest. Here at The Bridge, we do like to say that giving is another way to worship God. There is absolutely no pressure, but if you feel called to give, you can do that online or here in the auditorium at our giving station right in the back. And for all my ladies in the room, say hey. Hey. Hey, if you guys haven't already signed up for our She Unites Day, we are so excited for it. So make sure to go to The Bridge Church website and you guys can sign up. We have Christine Kane coming out to preach and the lights are going crazy. Um, it's gonna be a great day and you guys don't wanna miss it. So make sure to be there. And the fun doesn't stop there. We are going to be having a service takeover this Sunday with guest speaker Christine Kane. So if you're not able to see her on Saturday, you will still have another chance to see her speak on Sunday. So go ahead and join us um, at the 11.30 a.m. service and we'll be sitting in the main auditorium. Yeah, and we have Bible clubs coming back. If you're in a Bible club on your campus, we love having you. But if you're not, make sure to go DM Bridge Youth, and then we can let you know and get you plugged in. It's a great time. You don't want to miss it. Yeah, it is. All right, you guys know what time it is. Hype Worship is back. Let's head on up to the front, and let's worship God. Let's go.
bridge you. Can we just take a second and realize the all-powerful, all-knowing, very real, alive and active God that we serve who wants to pour his spirit out on every single person that walked into this room. You know, the song that we were just singing comes from a passage in scripture that a lot of us know, it's called the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew 6:10, it says that we should pray as if your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a bold prayer, on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven's this perfect place that we go to if we believe in Jesus and he's our savior, that's where we go. But we're supposed to pray as if on earth as it is in heaven. The spirit pouring out his presence here as he does in heaven. God pouring out his presence here as it is in heaven. Our relationship with God being as tangible and real here on earth as it is in heaven. Bridgeth, I believe that God has something very special for every single person that walked in here. And if we're willing and open to open our hearts to all that he has for us tonight, I believe that he will move in every single heart that walked in here. And here at Bridge Youth, we believe in this generation. We believe in you guys. So I'm going to ask Emma to come up and pray for our service as we get started. Bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you for bringing every single person here tonight. I pray that you open our hearts and our minds to the message while we'll be speaking tonight. I pray that you fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to feel your presence in this room. We love you and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, Bridge Youth, head back to your seats. High five three people and tell them it's gonna be a great night. That moment when you forget how long the video is. <laughs> In my mind, I was like, I at least have like three minutes. It was about uh, triple less that. Hey, how we doing, Bridge Youth? <laughs> hey, you guys are looking amazing tonight. Thank you so much for coming out here to spend your Wednesday night. How many of you guys are having a great Wednesday night so far? Let's go, let's go. Hey, we're happy that you're here. Uh, if we have not yet met, my name is Wyatt Staggers. I am on staff here at the church, and I have the honor and the privilege of bringing y'all the message tonight. So whether you are here in the room, whether you are watching online right here, right through this camera, uh, we'd like to greet all of our guests 
by saying every single week, we are here to build you up, not. Hey, one more time. We are here to build you up, not. Hey, let's go. It's a new year, but it's the same vision, right? Come on. We're going, we're going places this year. Hey, um, how many of you guys have been enjoying this series so far? Rooted. It's been amazing. We were talking to our leadership team before uh, meeting with y'all tonight. And I was, just, I was just so thankful for a series like this because as we go into a new year, I think it's great to sort of shift our perspective back to the basics, right? Talking about being rooted within Christ, being rooted within his word and being rooted within community. It's such a basic concept and basic idea, but it's so awesome to start the year off this way. Going back to the basics and understanding that this is exactly what God has for us. Not just this year, but every single year. And if we can get good and rooted into the basics, we'll be going places. Not just in life, but also as a youth group as well. How many of you guys were here on uh, last Wednesday when Pastor Elliot came out to speak. Man, wasn't that an awesome word? You know, I was, uh, was kind of honored because he spoke on my birthday, and man, what a, what a birthday gift, what a guy. You know, last week, for me at least, was insane. I feel like last week, it was just something was going on every single day. Not about my birthday, but on Sunday was actually uh, my wife's and I two-year anniversary that we got to celebrate. And... Uh, Guys, take notes for your future spouse. Never forget the anniversary. But also, when it is their anniversary, or when it is your guys' anniversary, bring flowers, bring them coffee, bring something that they are going to be surprised with. I brought in flowers and a, uh, what was it? Was it a chai or was it a caramel brulee? Whichever one it was from Starbucks. Um, yeah, some fans of Starbucks, right? I like that one. That one's good. Um, but yeah, last week, was super busy because of that. Uh, we got to celebrate at church. Afterwards, we celebrated with dinner. And then as we're going home, my wife Miranda tells me, she says, hey, let's stop at Target really quick. Here's the thing, fellas, if you ever, again, for your future spouse, if you ever hear, let's go to Target really quick, you can forget them saying really quick because it's not going to be really quick. And then... The next thing that Miranda tells me is, let's go to Target really quick and let's just both get one thing. Long story short, by the time that we left, we left with way more than just one thing. It was like, let's pick out a gift for both of us that we'll both enjoy. And then as we're walking down the aisle, I just had a feeling. She was like, wait, what else do we need? Wait, are we forgetting stuff? Don't we need things for the house? And I'm like... I'm like, dang, why is my wallet, like, vibrating right now? Why does my wallet, like, all of a sudden, like, like, like how does my wallet now have spidey senses, right? Like, what is, what is going on? Anybody else love Target, right? Anybody else big fans of Target? Um, I remember, again, speaking of my wife and our anniversary, uh, for our wedding, we had, of course, a wedding uh, registry where people buy you a bunch of gifts, a bunch of stuff, which is awesome, right? They should have like birthday registries at this point because that would be, that'd be amazing. But I remember for our wedding registry, we had a specific gold or brass lamp, a table lamp that we wanted. And when the person bought it for us, they only bought one and we needed two for both of our tables. And it's like, what are we going to do with just one, right? We asked for two. Why didn't she just get two? But we realized that it was because it was only found in a few targets in the area. So on a Saturday, when we both had a day off. We were like, all right, let's go over to Menifee because that's the closest one. It was either Menifee or Escondido. So we went off to Menifee 
And I was like, babe, here's the thing, though. I don't really want to drive, a.k.a. I don't really want to go. <laughs> but Miranda was like, oh, it's cool. I'll drive. And I'm like, got me again. Like, okay, I guess we're going then. So, so we go. Miranda's driving. I'm chilling, which is weird for me not to drive. It's weird being like the passenger sidekick in that situation. And it was even weirder and even a little bit scary because Miranda as we're driving, we're just talking, we're making conversation, and at some point before we get onto the freeway ramp, she tells me, man, I'm kind of I'm nervous to get onto the freeway. And I was like, why? She's like, well, like I'm not really good with getting on freeways. And I'm like, elaborate, please tell me. Before we get onto the freeway, yes, please tell me why I, I too should also be worried. She says, well, it's because I never know when to merge in, if it's like too early or too late or what. And I'm like, what a great thing to tell the person who's in the car with you. I have no idea how to merge onto a freeway. Long story short, we make it onto the freeway. We're doing fine. We're going on the 215, um, which most of y'all maybe don't even know what that is. But we're driving down onto the freeway. And I'm just looking out the window. I'm enjoying the view. I'm enjoying life. And at some point, I turn to Miranda and I'm like, man, I've never noticed how nice this area is. Because I started looking out and I see the mountains. I see the valley, it was green. There were like little clouds in the sky, but it was still sunny. And I was like, man, this is a really nice view. And I tell Miranda this out loud. And she says, well, yeah, it's because you're always facing this way. It's because you're always driving and you're always facing this way. And I like sat on that thought for like a minute or two. And then without, like, I'm still looking out the window. I'm like this. And I don't even look the other way. And I'm like, wait, can you say that again? She's like, well, you wouldn't know how nice the view was on that side because you're always looking this way. You're always driving, so you're always looking straight ahead. And I realized within that moment how important perspective is. How sometimes what can happen in life is that we can find ourselves going the same way, driving the same routes even to school, back home. Even while we're at school, we can find ourselves just stuck in a rhythm in a way to where we miss out on everything going on around us. And until we have that moment where we're able to look around and our perspective is able to change, we're never gonna fully notice what's around us. Because sometimes we have our, we have our perspective fixed on something that that's the only thing that we see. It's the only thing that we notice. And as we're going throughout this series, Rooted, what I really wanna talk to us about tonight is being rooted in God's word. And the reason why I'm talking about perspective in God's word is because for a lot of us, whether we grew up in church, whether we call the bridge uh, a home or our home, or maybe you're here as a guest tonight and maybe one of your friends invited you because they said, hey, you know, this, this youth team is great, this youth group is awesome, they have basketball going on, you know, all this sort of stuff. And maybe you are here as a guest. Everybody in here has a certain perspective on the word of God. Or maybe you won't even call it that. Because as we're talking about the word of God, what we have to realize is that we're talking about the Bible. And when we talk about the Bible, you might already have a fixed perspective on what that means. You might think that the Bible is just a bunch of history. You might think that the Bible is just a bunch of rules and to-dos and I can't do this and I can't do that. Maybe your perspective or your idea as to what the Bible is, is that it's only about a guy named Jesus and you're only on one half of the Bible. 
Guess what? There's two halves of the Bible. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is everything before Jesus. The New Testament is Jesus and everything afterwards. You're like, I've never even heard of that before. Because your perspective on what the Bible is, is a fixed perspective. See, what I want to do tonight as we talk about being rooted within God's word is that I do not want to go over the top 10 reasons as to why the Bible is 100% factual. I don't want to go over the 10 reasons as to why it is unchanging and why it is called the word of God. What I want to do tonight is simply two things. I want to give us a different perspective as to what God's word is. And then the next thing I want to do is that I want us to have practical ways in which we can root our life into God's word. Two very simple, very easy things to go over tonight. But still, we're going to be talking about being rooted within God's word. And so even though it might be a simple message, what I want us to do is just to take a moment and just focus in and say, okay, God, whatever it is that you have planned. To, to not move around, to not distract, to not do any of those things. Because as we talk about it tonight, you might be thinking to yourself, well, maybe this isn't for me right now. Maybe this isn't for me in the next year. But this will be for you within the future. So you might as well prepare for that right now. So as we go throughout uh, tonight, we're going to be landing in on a main passage or on a main uh, portion of scripture. Which is going to be found in Matthew 7. 24 through 27. Can we all rise and stand within the honor of the reading of God's word as we go through this? It's a very short passage, a very uh, short story that Jesus is telling within the New Testament. Uh, if you do not know where the book of Matthew is, it is the first of the gospels, essentially the story and the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the very first one of the New Testament. If you are in Revelation, turn back now, please. <laughs> We, we will get to that uh, some other time, but uh, never. But tonight, we're going to be going into Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 24 through 27, which says this. This is Jesus talking to, uh, to not just his disciples, but also to a crowd of people as well. He says, anyone, someone say anyone, who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock, though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone, someone say anyone, who hears my teaching, talking about Jesus, and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come, the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you so much, God, for this opportunity, for this moment. Help me, Lord, to um, speak your word. Help me, God, for it to land on good, fresh, clean soil tonight, God. Um, let there be no distractions. Let there be no difficulties, Lord. And ultimately, Lord, let you speak through me tonight, God, for you to do what only you can do. Help us, God, to listen. Help us, God, to hear. Help us, God, to follow what it is that you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, we can all say amen, amen. Hey, you're probably wondering why we have a whiteboard. I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, oh, this brings me back to a few hours ago, right? Um, what I really want to do tonight, and I'm sorry for, for this section if I turn my back on you. It's nothing personal, I promise. Um, what we're going to be doing tonight is that I'm going to be using this area as like an illustration. We're going to add to it, and we're going to use it as a sort of callback throughout the message tonight. Now, please pardon me. I do not have the best handwriting. Uh, Miranda can attest to that. So 
just bear with me for a moment. But within that story of Matthew chapter 7, we have two foundations that we see play out, right? So we have the rock, not Mr. Johnson, right? Not Mr. Dwayne. But we have rock, and then we have, what was the other one? Sand. How do you spell that? Just like that, right? If you failed your spelling bee and if you failed on sand, that's how you spell it, right? So we have these two ideas. Jesus tells us, if you listen to my teachings, if you listen to my words and you follow it, you are wise and you're building your life on. It's not a rhetorical question. You can answer. You're building your life on the rock, right? Um, if you hear my teaching, if you listen but yet you do not follow it, then you are building your life on, right? So, <laughs> sand. Um, <laughs> you know what I've always wanted? I've always wanted to try that, like, kinetic sand that, like, somehow it's, like, it's sand but it's, like, all it's like sticks together somehow. It's like magnets or something like that. Probably have it way wrong. Um, but ultimately what I want to do tonight is that I want to use this idea of the rock and sand. Building your life on either the rock or on sand. And we're, like I said, we're going to be expanding on this. And right now we're going to start expanding on it with the very first point, which is written word. Written word. Whenever we mention this idea or this phrase written word, what I'm talking about is that I'm talking about the Bible. Now, here's a few facts about the Bible. Did you know that the Bible, which might sound kind of rudimentary, it might sound kind of uh, basic, but the Bible is one book made up of, does anybody know how many books are in the Bible? <laughs> Some of you guys were like 66, yes. Yes, yeah, made up of 66 books. Like I said at the very beginning, um, it is broken up by two uh, not full halves, but two halves within the New Testament and uh, the Old Testament, or it should be vice versa, Old Testament first and the New Testament. There are, there are 40 authors in the Bible. So 40 authors all wrote, uh, compiled together these 66 books. The Bible stretches in terms of authorship and in terms of writing 1,600 years. And if we think of it like this, which I think is pretty fascinating, did you know that um, a lot of Greek philosophers, Plato, uh, Aristotle, Hippocrates, things like that, those specific figures within history, after they died, all of their writings were made and compiled, not by them, but of their followers, hundreds of years after their death. And yet we have them within our history books and we read them um, like they are 100% accurate and 100% real. And, th and these are their words and this is exactly what happened. Did you know that in 1 Corinthians 15, which is found in the, in the New Testament of the Bible, a man named Paul, the apostle, wrote about the resurrection of Jesus using uh, living and real witnesses who didn't just see Jesus within his resurrected body, but also, see, but also saw him ascend back into heaven. Do you want to know how many years Paul wrote that after that event? 15 years, which is insane. Because historians and uh, these people who look for uh, artifacts and archaeologists and things like that, they can date something back a few hundred years. It's like, whoa, this is 100% factual. This had to have happened. We can date back the resurrection 15 years after its event, which is insane to think about. And there's other cases with that happening within the Bible, within God's written word. But as we focus in on Matthew chapter 7, we notice that Jesus gives us 
a very particular phrase. He says, anyone who listens to my words and understands them and follows them is a wise man building his life on the rock, right? Or building his house on the rock. But here's the thing. Um, we do not have Jesus physically here on this earth right now. So when we read that passage and when we hear um, the phrase, anyone who hears my words, we can go back and look at the Bible and instead of going uh, with hearing my words, we can see that God has written his word. And it also says in the book of John that uh, God, that the word was with God and the word was God, meaning that Jesus is the word of God. So not only was it what Jesus said, but it's also everything written inside of the Bible is the word of God, is, is from and for and by Jesus, which I understand is a crazy concept. But just to get us on the right track in terms of what that means, whenever Jesus says that saying um, that anyone who hears my words, we're going off of the written word of God. Everybody good? Perfect. So what we're going to be talking about right now is that we're going to be breaking down that idea, right? The idea of the rock and the sand, what that actually means, what that actually stands for. So if the rock within this story represents God's word and the sand what does the sand represent ultimately, right? We have to first define uh, what the rock represents. So if the rock represents God's word, and if it's talking about it in terms of building a house on a firm foundation, which one are we going to build it on, the rock or the sand? Ultimately, what we can see it being as is that we can see the rock not just representing God's word, but ultimately the rock representing truth. So looking at the word of God as truth. So what is a rock? A rock is solid. It's stable. It's immovable. So when we look at God's word, we can see that God's word is the truth. We can see that God's word is the truth that we are meant to build our life on. Now, anatomically, what is sand? Ultimately, if you look it up and you type in on Google, on Bing, whatever, I use Bing, don't judge me. Um, we can see, did I lose you? I'm so sorry. <laughs> People just start watching now. Um, we can see that sand is just tiny forms of rock. Sand is actually eroded rock. So what we can put this as is if, tr if the rock is truth and sand is tiny forms of rock, what we can see and what we can put this as is that we can put this as bits of truth. So to look at it from that perspective, let's just break it down in a very real way. If you were talking to me and if you asked me a question and if I gave you a bit of the truth, am I lying or am I telling you the truth? I'm lying, right? Because I'm omitting part of the truth. I'm leaving out part of the truth. So sand represents bit of truth. Ultimately, what we can gather from all of this, if the rock represents God's word, then sand represents everything else. It represents everything outside of God's word. Now, what does God's word have in it? God's word has identity. God's word has the character of God. God's word has the image of God. God's word has the, uh, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus within it. So that means that the word of God also has a transformative process through it. It has the relationship that we are meant to have with God, and ultimately that relationship is meant to fulfill us. 
So ultimately what that means is that the truth has everything that we need. But the sand, everything else that life has to offer to us, some of it is kind of true, but most of it isn't. And for so many of us, what we do is that we look at both of these things and we see the rock and we're like, ah, uh, I don't really know if I can get with all of that. But with this, this is a lot easier to, to digest and to understand instead of the rock. But here's the thing, when it comes to God's word, we have to take all of God's word. We can't just take little bits and pieces of it. Here's a way to put it. You cannot change God's word to fit your life. You have to fit your life around God's word. Is everybody with me right now? Hey, this group over here, are we with me? Perfect, thank you. Um, so whenever we have moments like that, because can I just tell you, within my nine years of following Jesus, there are still moments that I have whenever I read through the Bible that I'm like, man, I don't really understand this. Or if we can just be real, I have moments where I think to myself, man, this kind of hurts. This is kind of difficult. This doesn't really feel the best. I don't really like what this says about this. Now I have to change parts of my life in order to fit within God's word. And this is ultimately what we do. What, what I want to do is that I just want to illustrate what this looks like for us. So I have the verse right here that we just read. Um, okay, so anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it. Okay, I don't really like that because following has to do with like commitment. I don't really like, you know, a lot of commitment, anything like that. So let's just do that for a second. Uh, is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and winds beat against that house. Well, I don't really want anything difficult to happen in my life, right? When I follow Jesus, I want everything to be perfect. So let's just take that portion uh, out of it, right? So it won't collapse, right? That's a good thing. I don't want my life to collapse or anything like that uh, because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. I kind of hurt. <laughs> kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. So let's just take that part out, right? But anybody who hears uh, my words, uh, let's just go with that. So then it's going to say, but anyone who hears my uh, who hears my teaching is like a person who builds a house on sand, right? Because you can do both. You can follow Jesus or not, right? You'll still get, get to the same outcome in the same place anyways, right? So, so it'll be fine. When the rains and when come, again, right, let's just not uh, have that por portion in it or anything like that. So I'm just going to read to you my translation and we'll see if it, we'll see if it fits a little bit better, right? Uh, so anyone who listens to my teaching is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. It won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching is like a person who builds a house on sand. Uh, it will not collapse with a mighty crash. Makes perfect sense, right? <laughs> Even as I was reading that, I was like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. But ultimately, right, we think that that's kind of dumb and we think that's kind of weird. But this is a lot of times what we do when it comes to God's word is that we read it and we pick out the parts that we like. We highlight the parts that we like. And it's like, oh, this is, this is good. This is what I want within uh, my bathroom hanging over the toilet, right? I want uh, God's provision. I want God's love. I want God to work within my life. But anything that's difficult, anything that's tough to imagine, anything that makes me have to change who I am, I'm just going to take that portion out and just ignore it. See, what we're doing within that moment is that we're taking rock and we're making it sand. 
The moment that we start to change God's word into something that it, that it isn't, we are taking rock and we are turning it into sand. And for so many people, whenever they do this, they get so confused because it's like they start to blame God for the things that happen in their life. And they start to blame God for the instability that goes on. And they start to blame God for the things that are, that are happening and the things that are going on that is causing chaos. And it's like, well, God, I thought that you loved me. I, build, I built my house. I built my life on your rock. I built my house on, on a firm foundation. And now my life is, is, is going crazy right now. I just don't understand. It's because without them even knowing it, they have taken rock and they made it into sand. Without even knowing it. See, it's a lot easier to manipulate a bit of the truth. It's a lot easier to manipulate sand, but it's a lot harder to manipulate rock. It's a lot harder to change rock into what it is that you want it to be. But ultimately what we have to do is that we have to find ourselves being rooted within God's word. How do we do that? It's a very simple, practical way of doing it. Here's what we have to do. In order to be rooted in the written word, we have to be consistent uh, with reading God's word. Because here's the thing, when it comes to God's word, if you ever wanted to know about God, just read his word. God's character, God's love, God's heart, God's vision, everything that you have to know about God is found within his word. So ultimately for us to be rooted within God's word, we have to find consistent time to read it. The other way that we become rooted in God's word is that we study God's word. There's a difference between studying and reading. Whenever we read God's word, it's like we're just skimming it, we're going over it, and boom, close my Bible, we're good for the day. But when we study it, what we're doing is that we are dissecting it. We are looking at different verses to understand what is going on within this one. We're not just reading one verse, but we're reading the verse before it and after it. We're reading the whole chapter. We're getting an understanding as to who the author is and who it's written to and what's actually going on inside of this verse. We're not just reading it and then closing it again, but we're studying it and we're allowing the word to read us. We're allowing the word to... Um, ultimately mold us and shape us because that's exactly what God's word does and that's exactly the purpose and the benefit to God's word is that God gave us his word so that we can understand him in his heart. God gave us this word so that we can have our lives be shaped by his image and by his truth and by his love and ultimately like I said before the moment that we start to take chunks and pieces of God's word and we start to change it for what we want we automatically take the truth and we only make it a bit of the truth. We take our life that we thought was on a firm foundation and we start to build it on the sand instead. What happens to sand in the middle of the wind? It changes, right? What happens to sand in the middle of a storm? It starts to shift. It starts to change. But ultimately, when it comes to the storms of life, God's word is never going to shift. It's never going to change. It's never going to move because ultimately God's word is like a rock. It's a firm foundation. It says that it's like building your house on bedrock. So it doesn't matter what kind of wind comes. It doesn't matter what kind of storms happen. It doesn't matter if it's rain, if it's wind, if it's a flood. Because ultimately God's word is never going to change. So for us, what we have to do, because the smart thing here sounds like we should build our life on the rock, right? And ultimately, we have to make that decision for ourselves and say, okay, God, when I go through your word, when it gets difficult, I'm going to pray through it. When it gets difficult to understand what it is that you're saying, I'm going to hit up my leader. I'm going to hit up somebody else and say, hey, what do you think about this verse? What do you think about this passage? The worst thing that you can do is read the Bible, not understand what it's saying, and then never ask about it. <laughs> never dive into it. 
ask those questions. It's not a bad thing to have questions about God's word. So don't just read it, study it. So be consistent with your reading and then study it. Those are two ways that we can find ourselves rooted within God's written word. Now I, t now I said at the very beginning that I wanted to change the perspective as to what God's word is. Because there's two other aspects to God's word that maybe sometimes we forget about. Maybe sometimes we don't always talk about. The next one that we're going to be talking about, though, is point number two, which is the spoken word. The spoken word. Can I tell you whether you know this or not? God wants to speak to you. God wants to communicate with you. Why? Because he loves you. And I know that in our culture today, in our world today, saying that Jesus loves you is not the most, like, glamorous saying anymore because sometimes it can be even cliche. But it's still the truth. Even though it might sound overplayed, even though it might sound uh, old or dated, can I tell you that the truth never stops being the truth and God loves you and God wants an intimate, real relationship with you. All the way back to Genesis chapter 1 when God makes everything, whenever he makes human beings, he made them so that they would be in relationship with him. How do you have a relationship with someone? You talk to them. You communicate with them. You get to know them. You start to uh, have conversation with them. And that's exactly what God wants to do with us. Because we were made for uh, relationship with him. Now here's the thing. I have never once heard God's audible voice before. I think if I did, I would automatically go to heaven. Because I would not be able to uh, possibly understand or comprehend what just happened. I also have no idea what God sounds like. Does he sound like Morgan Freeman? Does he sound like, uh, you know, somebody who, who, who I would possibly know? Would I even understand, right? Like, I don't, there's so many questions that go on whenever I think of the audible voice of God. So, the way that God speaks to us most of the time is through our thoughts. A lot of times what happens is that God speaking to you is just a thought coming to your mind. And sometimes it's easy for us to get those thoughts and then think to ourselves, well, was that God or was that not? Because I'm sure some of you are thinking, Wyatt, how can I possibly understand if it's God, if it's someone else, if it's myself? And all I have to say to that is what a great question that that is. Because we're going to talk about that right now. Think of it like this, in three different ways, three different thoughts that can go through our mind in any given day, any given hour. There is revelation, there is manipulation, and then there is imagination. Now we have to understand with the very first one, uh, or the first one that we're going to be going over, manipulation. We have to understand, first and foremost, that there is an enemy after us here on this earth. That enemy is known as the devil, or Satan. And he's someone who is not really talked about a lot within church. But can I tell you that he is very real. He's very capable here on this earth. In fact, it even goes within the Bible, um, within Ephesians 2.2, where it says that he is the prince and the ruler over the earth. So the enemy has capabilities and authority here and power here on this earth. And ultimately what's going to happen is that as you go throughout your day, you might have those manipulative thoughts. Those thoughts that mess with your mind. Those thoughts that make you question. Those thoughts that make you doubt. Those questions, or, or those thoughts that make you uh, question what it is that God is doing inside of your life. Or it's those questions that make you think, well, I'm not good enough. Well, I'm just... I'm just here by chance. I'm just here by random. I'm just an accident. There's no purpose on my life. There's no real meaning to my life. It's those, it's those thoughts that come up when you see somebody that you like and all of a sudden you start having lustful thoughts about them and you start thinking about them in a way that you do not want to think about them. 
That's a manipulative thought. And so it's thoughts that come up when you see somebody else that you don't like and all of a sudden you like clench your fist and you're like, man, I hate that person. That's a manipulative thought. And so it's thoughts even that come up when you are about to go to church and all of a sudden you get this weird feeling inside of you that says, ah, maybe not tonight. Maybe, maybe not, you know, I mean, I know that I've been in worship. I know that I've been here throughout the message and I feel like maybe God wants me to go up and, and lift up my hands, but, but, maybe, but maybe not right now, right? Those are those manipulative thoughts that uh, begin to creep inside of your mind. And then you have imagination. Now, imagination is just your own thoughts, right? It's, it's, it's when you're hungry and you think to yourself, man, what do I want to eat right now? Right? It's, it's when you're bored and you're like, man, what should I go and do right now? Right? That's imagination. That's just you. But then let's focus on the last word, which is revelation. And revelation can only come from God. Revelation, within the meaning of it, means to reveal something. It means to show you uh, something from a different perspective. And what I want to do with us right now is that I want us to go to an uh, Old Testament story, again, the first half of the Bible, within the book of 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now, the book of 1 Samuel is written by a guy named Samuel, right? So not a trick question at all. Written by a guy named Samuel who was known to be a prophet. Now, what a prophets did within those times is that they were uh, essentially messengers or mouthpieces for God. So God would give them a message, a specific thing to either tell the religious leaders, the people, whoever it may be, um, they were essentially the ones who would speak on behalf of God. And Samuel, at this time, within the story, he's just a young kid. He might be 9, 10 or so. And ultimately what he's doing is that he is in the temple and he is under the mentorship of a guy named Eli. Samuel is there, he's sleeping within uh, the temple, he's right by the tabernacle, which represented God's presence, and as he is there, we're going to kind of jump around this story, we're first going to start off within 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 4, which says this, it said, suddenly, someone say suddenly, suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel, yes, I don't know if he actually said it like that, why did I sound like the, the, the voice on like Super Smash Bros, fight, um, Samuel said, yes, what is it? So what does God do? He calls out to Samuel. So what's happening right now is that God is speaking to Samuel. Samuel gets up, he goes to Eli, he goes to his mentor, and he says, hey, you, uh, you called for me? It wasn't Eli, it was God, but, but he doesn't recognize that, he doesn't know that. So he goes to somebody else who he's under, who he knows the voice of, and he says, hey, did you... Uh, did you call me? And ultimately what God does is that God continues to call Samuel in the exact same way. He just calls out his name. Until we get to this verse within uh, uh, 1 Samuel 3, 9 through 10, which says this. So he said to Samuel, Eli was talking to Samuel, uh, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed and the Lord came and called as before. Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. So God calls him again. This would be the fourth time that God calls Samuel. He calls him the exact same way every single time. So the fourth time he calls him and Samuel finally gets the idea and he calls out to God. And then God gives him a message 
But what I want to do is I want, I, I want to end this passage um, in verse 21 because it gets to the very end. And this is what we're going to uh, be finalizing with within this verse, um, which is the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, which was where the temple was, and gave messages to Samuel there at the tabernacle. And Samuel's words went out to all the people of Israel. So using this story as an example, here is what we can base God's voice on. So if we have the question, how do I know if it's God? How do I know if it's me? What is revelation? What is it going to be? Here's one of the three things that we can learn from this story is that God's word is consistent. Consistent with what? Consistent with his word. That's why it's so important for us to be rooted within God's word because the way that God is going to speak to us is that he's going to use his word to do it. It's consistent with his word. So whatever God tells you, it's never going to go against his word. Whenever God speaks to you, it's never going to be a contradiction or a distraction to his word. It's always going to be either a compliment or a reflection of his word. So God is going to use his word to speak to you. Can I tell you that if you ever thought to yourself, man, this is something brand new that God has never told anybody. Can I just let you know that is not God. Because God is going to use his word to speak to you. God does not have DLC. God does not have downloadable content that he's releasing a few years from now. Everything that we have to know about God is found within his word. He's going to be consistent with his word. So if you don't know if it's God or not, go back to his word. If you want to know God's voice, go back to his word. If you want to understand what it is that God is trying to tell you, go back to his word. Because God's voice is never going to contradict his word. It's never going to contradict his character. It's always going to go in line with it. So, again, if you ever want to know, hint, hint, wink, wink. If you ever want to know if it's God or not, go back to his word. Again, that's why it's so important for us to have our life on the rock on truth and not just bit of the truth. When God's speaking to us, do you want the whole truth or, you do, or do you just want a bit of the truth? I want the whole truth. I want God to tell me everything. If God needs to speak to me, I want to know everything that he has to say to me. I don't, I don't just want to get little bits and pieces of it, but I want the whole truth. Even if it's tough for me to handle, even if it's tough for me to think about, I want everything that God has for me because he has better ways than I do. He has better plans than I do. He has a better future than I could ever have for myself. So if it's God talking, I want everything that he has for me. Is it God or is it not? Go to his word. If it's consistent, it's God. If it's not, I don't want anything to do with it. Hey, I don't want a counterfeit word. I don't want something that's fake. There's fake all around. You can go on to, I was about to say, you can go on to Instagram and see fake, right? You can go on to social media and see fake. We see fake every single day. What we need is truth. What we need is real. And ultimately, God has exactly what is real and what is true for us. So his voice is consistent. The next thing that his voice is, is that it's persistent. I think this is one of the most amazing things about God's word, is because God is not afraid or frustrated to repeat himself. You know what I mean? Like when you're talking to somebody and when they just keep on saying, huh? Wait, what was that? It's like, I'm, I'm like... I'm like three huns in and I'm just moving on. I'm just going to act like I know what it is that you're saying. And 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I hear you, dude. Yeah, for sure. How could they ever do that, right? It could be totally uh, like against what they're saying, and I'll just go with it because I don't want to say, "Huh?" or "What was that again?" But when it comes to God, God's word is persistent. Meaning, if you don't catch it the first time, He's gonna try the second time. If you don't catch him the third time, he's going to try again. Because when he was speaking to Samuel, even though he said the exact same thing every single time, God kept on doing it. God kept on trying because he wanted Samuel to hear his voice. Can I tell you that God is going to keep on talking to you, not because he wants to bug you, but because he wants you to hear from him. It's because he wants to be close to you. It's because he wants to be intimate with you. So God's word is going to be persistent. He's not just going to give up. He's going to keep on trying over and over again until you finally get it. So God's word is consistent. God's word is persistent. The other thing that God's word is, it's going to break up the rhyme, I know. But God's word is continuous. God's word is continuous. Can I tell you that God does not just want to talk to you for a season. He wants to talk to you for a lifetime. God does not just want you to hear his voice for a moment and then never talk to you again. God wants to keep on talking to you. That's why I love it within verse 21 where it says that God continued to speak to, a, to, uh, to, speak to Samuel. I love that idea where it's like, hey, it might have taken us a while to get to this point, but now that you understand, now that you hear my voice, now that we have a rhythm, I'm going to keep on talking to you. I'm going to continuously give you words because I want to be close to you and I want you to understand what it is that I'm trying to say into your life. And that's the same thing for us. And so is it God or is it not? Well, is it consistent? Is it persistent? Is it, is it continuous? Does it go against any one of those things? Because if it does, it's not from God. It might be yourself, it might be the enemy, it might be some, some other thing entirely. But ultimately, in order to understand if it's God or not, filter it through God's word and then go from there. That's the best thing that you can do. So how do we understand God's voice? How do we find ourselves rooted within God's spoken word? Number one, I've been saying here this whole time, know God's word. Going back to the very beginning, in order to know God's word, you got to be rooted in God's word. Filter it through that. And then the next thing that Samuel does is that he has a willingness to listen to God. He has a willingness. He has a, he has a heart to hear from God. The biggest question that I have then is if you know the word, well, do you have a willingness to hear from God then? Do you have a heart in which you say, God, whatever it is that you want to say to me, I'm ready to receive it. I'm ready to hear. I'm ready to listen. Even if it's a difficult word, even if it's a convicting word, even if it's something within there that I have to change about myself, God, whatever it is. I want what you have for me. So we have to have a willingness. We have to have a heart to hear from God and to listen. Amen. So the last point that I have for y'all, we talk about God's written word. We talk about his spoken word. And then we're going to be talking about his living word. God's living word. Ultimately what that means is living out God's word. Matthew 7 talks about anybody who hears my words and follows them, meaning anybody who listens to me, who understands them, but then who also goes out and does my word, that is God's living word. See, as believers, to all of my Christians out there, if you are already saved, if you already know who Jesus is, maybe you've already found yourself rooted in God's word, maybe you've already found yourself um, listening to God. By the way, shout out to the boys right here for getting that. Shout out. Shout out. Oh, come on. Oh, make some noise. Come on. 
Hey, hey, that's a big step. That's a big step, bro. <laughs> thank you, John. Thank, thank you, Gio. Um, but we're talking about God's living word. See, here's the thing. God does not just want us to be rooted in his word and listen to him. He also wants us to live it out as well. Ultimately, faith without deeds is dead. We can know so much about God. We can hear God speak to us every single day. But if we're not doing what it is that God calls us to do, then what are we doing? If God's voice and his word is not causing us to do something, then what are we doing? We were not meant to be stagnant. We were not meant to just hang out. We were not meant to just stick around. Can I tell you that God has placed you in your campus and in your family for a reason. God has placed you within the time and space that you find yourself in every single day for a reason. And it's not just to be rooted in his word, which is great. It's not just to be to listen to his word, which is great. But it's also meant for us to live out God's word. See, if I had to imagine this, if I had to paint a picture for you guys, I would imagine this as like a full tree, right? Anybody else love hiking? You love the forest, you love going up to, um, anybody ever been to Yosemite before? I have never been to Yosemite, like actually in the park. I would love to go to Yosemite, but I love the pictures of these giant redwoods and these giant sequoias and these trees that they can date back to like thousands of years ago, which is insane to think about. But I think of being rooted within, within God and within his word as almost like a tree, right? So you have the roots, which is ultimately God's word. You have the trunk and the branches, which is listening to God, but then you have the fruit. And that fruit is living out God's word. It's putting action to what it is that God has called you to. Because can I tell you that the fruit that is gonna grow inside of your life is not always for you. Sometimes the fruit that grows inside of your life is for the person next to you. Sometimes the fruit that grows inside of your life is just so that people can see your life and ask, why are they different? What is it about them? Sometimes the fruit that grows inside of your life is just to show an image of Jesus through your life. Ultimately, we have to live out what it is that God has called us to do. We read God's word, we hear God's word, but now it's time to live out God's word. I think the best example for this to figure out what type of fruit it is that God wants to grow inside of our lives can be found in Galatians 5. Uh, verse is 19 through 23. Now the very first half of this, uh, of this particular passage is to talk about the things that grow in our life if it's not God. If we just let our sinful nature run wild inside of our lives. But then the next section talks about what happens when Christ is in the middle of it and the fruit that God is going to bear inside of our lives. This is what it says, starting off of verse 19. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, uh, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, uh, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and others and other sins. They don't even have everything listed on there that would grow inside of your life if you just allow yourself to fall within your sinful nature. But then this is what it says. It says, um, let me tell you, uh, let me tell you again as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But... The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodfulness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. You know, uh, I started off talking about my wife, and uh, I'll end talking about my wife. Uh, you know, yesterday, as I'm getting off of work, Miranda calls me. She's like, hey, uh, can you pick up some stuff from the store? And I was like, for sure. In and out, right, quick, boom, done. I'm not going down other aisles. I'm just going straight to what we need, and I'm going to get that. And so she said, hey, can you get some tomato? Can you get some, some tomato, some tomatoes, right? Um, just like half of a tomato. Sure, that's good. Um, some tomatoes, a thousand island dressing, and then can you also get lettuce? And I said, okay, do you want shredded lettuce or do you want a head of lettuce? She said, I'll take a head of lettuce. I'm like, okay, cool. So I get there. I get everything that we need. I come back, and Miranda's talking about her day. We're in the kitchen. I start handing her stuff to put into the fridge, tomatoes, thousand island. I hand her the lettuce. She grabs it, and she's kind of confused. She's like, did you get cabbage? And, and, and I mean, you be the judge. This is what I gave uh, Miranda. I, uh, <laughs> I handed it to her, and she was like, uh, she was like, yeah, this is cabbage. But even before she said that, I was like, are you sure? I kid you not. She took off a piece of it, and she just went, and not even, like, when I, when I do that, you're thinking, oh, she ate it. She bit it, and then she released and it was still a part of it. And I'm like, what the? Like, is that how you tell? You just bite it and then you can just tell? She's like, yeah, it's cabbage. I'm like, are you, are you, a, are you a rabbit? Like, what is going on right now? But ultimately, what just happened within that moment was that Miranda was expecting me to bring back lettuce. But I got her cabbage instead. How is it that we can have so many Christians who can claim to be rooted in God's word, who can be rooted in God's spoken word, and yet we give the world something else. How is it that we can live in a world that has an expectation on which Christians should live and how they should act and how they should talk, and yet we're producing some other fruit instead? How is it that we can be rooted in God and yet produce a fruit that God does not make? And that sounds crazy because when I ask you the question, where do lemons come from? What kind of tree does a lemon come from? It comes from. What kind of tree do, does, does apples come from? So how is it that we can be Christians and yet produce something else? How is it that we can be Christians and yet not love our neighbor? How is it that we can be Christians and when we're supposed to enter a room, bring peace and yet we bring division instead? How is it that we can be Christians and yet instead of having self-control, we are self-indulging ourselves with attention and money and things and food and all of, these, all of these things that God does not produce inside of our lives? How is it that we can be rooted in God and yet not produce what God wants us to produce? There's, there's, a, there's a disconnect that happens. It's crazy how you can look like a Christian tree but yet not produce Christian fruit. It's crazy how when people walk by you and when people see you at youth, they can think to themselves, oh yeah, they're for sure a Christian. Oh yeah, they're for sure a follower of Jesus. But yet you are not producing the fruit that Jesus intended for you to produce. How is it that we are producing fruit like Galatians 5.19, 
through 21, but yet we're not producing the fruit that God has in store for us. How is that possible? It's because we're not fully living how God intended for us to live. It's because we're saying all the right things and we're thinking all the right things and we're doing all the right things, but we're not actually living the way that God had intended for us. Man, we have to live the way that God intended for us to live because the fruit that is supposed to grow on our lives, can I tell you, people see that. Can I tell you that people need the fruit that is growing on your life? Can I tell you that people need your love? People need your peace. Your family needs your faithfulness. Your family needs your goodness. Your family needs your patience. There are things that people need inside of your life. And yet we're producing other fruit instead. Because it's easier. Because it's simpler. Because it takes less time. Because I don't have to change anything about myself. And I can just keep on doing whatever it is that I'm doing. Ultimately what we have to do. When we root ourselves within God's word, when we root ourselves within God's spoken word, we have to go out and then live what it is that God tells us. We have to be faithful. We have to be obedient. We have to take every single opportunity and say, yes, God, whatever it is that you want, I'm going to go do it. We have to have a Samuel mindset to say, Lord, here is your servant. Whatever it is that you have for me, God, even if it's difficult. Can I tell you that as the band heads up, I totally forgot to ask them to come up. They've been in the back like, are we ready? <laughs> right now? <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, the message within that story of Samuel, you know what's crazy is that the message that God has for Samuel is not a good message. It's actually a pretty difficult message. It's a message that goes out to his mentor to say, hey, uh, like things aren't going right. Things aren't going good. And God tells Samuel as a nine or 10 year old boy, hey, can you tell this elder within the church all of these things that are going wrong? Can you tell this elder in the church that he's, a, that he's essentially gonna die? Like, <laughs> if I was Samuel, I would be thinking, are you sure? Like, are you sure that you want me to tell him? Are you sure that you wanna use me inside of this moment? But yeah, what did Samuel do? He went and he was faithful with that message. Sometimes what's gonna happen in our lives is that God is gonna give us a word He's going to tell us to live a certain way, and it's going to be difficult. It's going to be tough. It's going to be different than everybody else. But God did not call you to be like everybody else. He called you to be holy, which means that we are meant to stand out. We're meant to be set apart, and not set apart for set apart's sake, not stand out just so that people can see us or people can notice us, but be set apart so that we can give the message of the gospel. That's the life that God wants us to live. Can I tell you that there is not a better life than living a life for Jesus? There is not a more fulfilling, bless you. God, we just come before you. <laughs> there is not a better life that God wants you to live than living a life following after Jesus. You will meet your best friends following Jesus. You will meet your future spouse that God has intended for you following Jesus. You will go on adventures that you can never imagine going on if it wasn't for Jesus. Those are the things that God has in store for you. Now, is it easy? No. Is it difficult? Yes. Are there times that that, that happen and times that come where, where you have to change things about yourself? Of course, but that's the cost. And if, if that's all I have to pay in order to follow after Jesus, I will take that cost every single time. Because ultimately, Jesus took the full price. 
Jesus took the full payment. You see, when Jesus tells us within Matthew chapter seven, he starts off with anyone, which means that this is a open invitation. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. There's no condition on anyone. There's no prerequisite on anyone. It's anyone, it's everyone. Anyone who follows my teaching and listens is wise. It's an open invitation for what? To build your life on something that's true. To build your life on something that's gonna last. To build your life on something that's stable, on something that's eternal, on something that's fulfilling. And that life can only be found with Jesus. Now I'm not saying that you should build your life on Jesus just to get a bunch of stuff. We heard about that last week where how the reward is ultimately to be in God's presence. Jesus came and he died on a cross for you and for me because we were once separated from God, but God, but Jesus came in as our sacrifice, as our representative, and he closed that gap so that you and I can know who he is and that we can find our way back to God through him. He paid the ultimate price for you and for me. And what I wanna do right now is that I wanna extend this Matthew 7 invitation to you. Because for some of us, you came in here and you're thinking, man, my life is on sand right now. You can think about certain moments going on inside of your life and you're like, man, I do not like what's going on. It is unstable, it is difficult. It's not fulfilling, it's not fun. Can I tell you, again, there is not a better life that you can live than living a life following after Jesus. And so I wanna extend this invitation to you because maybe here tonight and you're like, man, I want to I wanna move my foundation from the sand to the rock. I want to move my foundation from bits of truth to the truth. I want to find myself rooted in God's word. I want to hear from God. I want to live for God. I want to follow after God and exactly what he has for me. I want to extend that invitation to you. So if that's you all across this place, would you just close your eyes right now? Bow your heads. See, the reason why we do this is because it's a very personal moment. It's a very personal encounter that happens. When we close our eyes, when we bow our heads, it's ultimately saying, God, it's not about anybody else. It's not about anybody around me, Lord. It's only about you. All across this place, if that's you, from what I just said, if you wanna build your life on the firm foundation, on the solid rock, you wanna move from the sand and you wanna build your life on Jesus. I'm just gonna ask that you would, you would take a step of faith and that you would raise your hand on the count of three just to say, God, here I am, I'm right here. God, I wanna follow after you. God, I wanna build my life on you and on you alone. If that's you, I'm gonna count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to raise your hand. Saying, God, here I am. I'm ready to follow after you. One, two, three. If that's you tonight, would you just raise your hand? Amen, amen, so good, so amazing. You can put your hands down. And we're just gonna pray a simple prayer. I'm gonna ask you to repeat these words after me. See, this prayer is just a simple, conf is just a simple uh, confession it's, and it's an acceptance to this invitation saying, God, come into my heart, come into my life, Lord, do what only you could do in it. So would you repeat these words after me? Say this, say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've made mistakes. I am truly sorry. And tonight, 
I accept you into my heart. I need you to be my Lord, to be my Savior. And I believe that God rose you from the dead. So tonight, I open my heart to you. Come into my life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name, everybody can say amen. Hey, can we make some noise for the people that has accepted Jesus right now? Hey, you are building your life on a true foundation, and we are stoked for y'all. Hey, could you guys get up on your feet, make your way up to the front? As you do that, don't distract anybody. Don't move away from this moment. We're just going to transition to something right now. You know, ultimately what I want us to do, because I talked about, you know, practical ways for us to find ourselves rooted in God's word, both rooted in his written word, his spoken word, and his living word. And what I want to do right now is very simply this. I want to walk out what that looks like. So what we're going to do right now, like I said, without distracting everybody, without, without moving around too much as you guys come up to the very front, what I'm going to do is that I'm going to read the passage of scripture that we started off with in Matthew 7. And then I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I'm going to pray that God would speak to us during this worship moment. And as God speaks to us, as his voice is clear through our minds, what we're going to do afterwards, this is the challenge, is that whatever it is that God told you, whatever it is that he spoke to you, you're going to go out and you're going to go do that. You're going to go out and you're going to live out what it is that God has called you to do within this moment. So would you guys just all, again, one more moment, just bow your heads, close your eyes, focus in right now, just hear the words. It says within Matthew 7, starting off in verse 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my, who hears my teachings and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rain comes and uh, floods come and wind beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. God, we come before you right now. God, we focus our mind. We focus our thoughts. God, all we want is to hear from you. All we want is to know you. All we want is to hear your voice, God. So right now, would you guys just all, if you want to hear from God right now, would you just lift your hands right now? God, all across this place, God, we lift our hands to you as a sign of surrender, as a sign of saying, God, whatever it is that you want to do inside of this moment, Lord, speak to us. God, let your voice be clear. Let it be evident. Let it be personal, God. Let it be intimate, Lord. Whatever it is that you want to speak to us, Lord, whether it's uh, reaffirming us, whether it's challenging us, whether it's convicting us, Lord, whatever it may be, God, we are open and we are accepting to what it is that you want for us tonight, God. So speak to us, Lord, all over this place. Speak to us, God, so clearly, so evidently, Lord. Do what only you could do.
Tonight you gave your life to Jesus. Can I tell you that is the best decision that you could ever make with your life. And, and this is really the beginning point of you digging your roots into a relationship with him. Uh, like the verse talked about, there's going to be times when the storms of life come. And the best thing that you can do is dig your roots into a relationship with Jesus. That's building your life on the rock. So whatever's to come, you know you don't have to face it alone. You have hope and you're built on something strong and stable. So if you get if you did give your life to Jesus, can we just say welcome to those people? Like welcome to the family. We're so pumped for you. But we know this, hey, you are now a part of, of, a, of a family, a pack, a tribe, and, and you're not supposed to do life alone. So we want to help you kickstart this journey with something that we call the next seven days. It's uh, seven videos. Literally, it'll be me on your phone, on your tablet, on your laptop, preferably not on your TV with like the surround sound on. Anybody, anybody else hate the sound of their own voice? Like you listen to your voicemail and you're like, is that what I sound like? Like I go watch the next seven days and I'm like, is that what I sound like? But, but really it'll be me one video a day helping to answer some questions that you might have. I know when I first got saved, I felt like I had a thousand questions and no one to ask these questions to. So not only will we get you these videos, we'll help uh, connect you with a connect group leader. 
all of that. We just want to help you in the next week of your faith journey. How do I get it, Corey? Easy. Just go to our Instagram, at bridgeYTH underscore, and DM us the words next seven. We'll handle the rest. If you do not have Instagram, come find me, come find my wife, come find any one of our leaders. Say, hey, I prayed that prayer. I gave my life to Jesus. I want to do next seven days. We'll find another avenue to get back to you. Hey, can you do me a favor? Can you just help, uh, like, join me in thanking Wyatt for that awesome message tonight? I just want to uh, echo really quick his challenge. He said, right now we're going to listen to God's word. And then what we're going to do is we're going to go do what it is that he said. I feel like a moment ago as we prayed, God really spoke to a couple people. God really put a few things on your heart. For some of you, it pertains to your family. For some of you, it pertains to friends. I feel like for some of you, it pertains to social media. I see some of y'all posting on social media about your faith and, and, and about God and, and Bible verses and encouraging stuff. Can I tell you, you, you never know what it is that that does in someone's life. That's amazing. For some of you, God's calling you to step out in faith in that area. For some of you, it's your sports team. For some of you, it has to do with your campus because you're a senior and next year you head off to college. You need to leave a legacy at that school. Can I just echo what Wyatt said? Let's be faithful to go and put into action what God spoke in our lives. Amen? Hey, a couple things before we take off. This Saturday, somebody say, this Saturday is she unites ladies you gotta be in the building you do not want to miss it it's going to be amazing christine hurricane all the way from well she lives in orange county but really she's like from australia she's going to be speaking it's going to be amazing you can still register you can still bring your mom your aunt your grandma your great grandma your crazy cousin that needs jesus that cousin needs jesus bro invite them come out and then this sunday somebody say this sunday we are taking over our Sunday morning services. Come join us for the 11:30 because Christine Kane will be speaking in our Sunday morning services as well. You do not want to miss it. Hey, Bridge Youth, we love you so so much. Have an amazing week. We'll see you Sunday morning.